Well, today as we, as we unwrap this next gift of the Christmas uh, Advent season, I want us to think about singing together a wonderful Christmas song. That wonderful, happy, delightful Christmas song, Hakuna Matata. You know that song, don't you? Oh, you don't know that one? You know, Hakuna Matata, the Lord has come. You don't know that? Hakuna Matata, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Okay, okay. I do know that it's joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But, but that Swahili phrase, Makuna Hatata, was made famous in a 1994 movie, Disney movie, by the way, The Lion King. Most of you have heard of it. Many of you have seen it way too many times. Sometimes we seem to approach joy during this season in that same way, especially at this time of year. Hakuna Matata means no worries. Kind of like the Jamaicans. No problem. No problem. And in the movie, the song is sung by a meerkat named Timba and a warthog named Pumbaa who are trying to convince the young lion Simba to forget about his troubles and just live for the moment. But don't let me talk to you about it anymore. Let me show you a little clip. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no peasant craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free <laughs> philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto. What's the motto? Nothing. What's the motto with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, these two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumba, for example. Why, when he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem thick-skinned. And it hurt that my friends never stood downwind. And oh, the shame. He was a shame. What a change in my name. Oh, what's your name? And I got downhearted. Okay. Problem-free philosophy. That's an appealing thing, isn't it? That would be very joyful. But no, no worries is not what the angels came to uh, proclaim that Christmas uh, so long ago. Instead, they proclaimed good news, 
of great joy for all people. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And as we approach Christmas, we often hear about joy and and what a joyful season it is. So we try to cram all those other feelings that we have going on in our in ourselves, in our life. We try to cram those deep down inside so that they don't rise up. If we don't feel joyful, you know what we do? We try to create joy by tossing our troubles aside, by ignoring our deepest struggles, and by just living for the moment, like Hakuna Matata. But that's not what the joy of Christmas is all about. The gift of joy offered to us in Jesus Christ this Advent season is one of the deep and abiding joys. It is a joy so powerful it can hold its own in a dark and hurting world in the midst of all our troubles and in the midst of all the struggles that we might be going through, whatever they might be. So today, I encourage you to come to this service in a spirit of honesty. Honesty. I'm not asking you, I'm, honestly, I'm not asking you to cast aside your worries. Jesus said, cast your worries on me. You don't have to cast them aside to unwrap this gift of joy we're talking about today, which Peter, the Apostle Peter, called inexpressible and glorious. In your outline there, I've got uh, this uh, verse from 1 Peter 1.8. Beautiful verse. Though you have not seen him, any of you here seen him? Any of you seen Jesus? Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, if you've been with us the past uh, couple of weeks, you know that we began a journey through this uh, season of Advent by unwrapping the gifts of First of all, hope, and then love. And if you've been here, you, I would hope that you know by now that the word Advent means coming. coming. Thank you. Coming. Coming. And the season is marked by expectation and waiting and anticipation and longing. The Advent season offers us the opportunity to share in the longing For the coming of Messiah, to celebrate his birth, to be alert, yes, alert, even today for his second coming. And during Advent, we light candles on an Advent wreath. And as we celebrate with our own Advent wreath this season, we'll light an additional candle each week. Each flame brings us closer to the arrival of the true light of the world born in Bethlehem. And today, 
just to change things up, I've asked the worship team to lead us in the liturgy and the candle lighting. So, Shane and Shana and Stephen are going to do the honors for us this morning. In the Christmas story, angels appeared as God's messengers. An angel appeared to an elderly couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, Mary's cousins, to announce that they would finally have the child they had been praying for and would name him John. And an angel appeared to teenage Mary to announce that God had chosen her to bear his son and that his name would be Jesus. And an angel appeared to Joseph to calm his fears about marrying Mary, who is now pregnant. And a whole host of angels appear to the shepherds announcing good news of great joy. That is our theme today. As we light the pink candle in the Advent wreath, representing joy surrounding the birth of Jesus. The pink candle marks a shift in the mood from personal preparation to joyful anticipation. Listen to what the Bible says. Luke 2, 8 through 15. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him as by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in, stri in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And today, Stefan's going to light the pink candle, representing God's joy. So let us pray. Come to you, Father, power your Holy Spirit, and in the name of the greatest gift that ever was, ever will be, and always has been, Jesus. Can you picture the scene? It's the middle of the night, and an angel appears out of nowhere. The fields are filled with light, and then a vast host of angels appear in the sky, the armies of heaven the choirs of heaven, and their message is joy to the world. Heavenly Father, send your angel armies to break into our lives today. Fill us with a sense of awe and wonder as we catch a glimpse in our mind's eye of your glory, the same glory that fell on the shepherds in the fields. And fill us with your joy, joy as we anticipate the coming of Christmas, 
the joy of your presence with us here today and the joy of knowing you and living with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You see, Advent is a season to experience the joy of the coming of the Savior of the world. And this joy is more than just a feeling. It's a joy that causes literally all of creation to celebrate. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 96. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the field sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. In Advent, we are preparing and we are expecting. You see, Jesus is coming. Let us rejoice. This is the gift that we unwrap today. But I think the question that nags many of us, nags me often, is what if you don't feel joy during this season? Any of you out there in that boat today, what if you don't feel joy today? How can you receive this gift of joy even in times of trials? When you have health problems, when you have relationship problems, when things just are not going right at work or in your marriage or at school or whatever the situation might be, how can you receive the gift of joy? Well, see, I think you can't sit there and wait for it to drop into your lap. I believe it's a proactive thing. And there's several steps you can take. First, I think you have to anticipate joy. Anticipate joy. Have you ever been waiting for something for so long that you've just forgotten that it's on its way? Have you maybe ordered something uh, through uh, online or, or, or mail order and... It took so doggone long for that to get here that you forgot you ordered it. And it's almost like when it shows up, it's a Christmas present. You've probably heard stories of postal service mistakes and letters delivered years after they were sent. And some of these are great stories. I'm going to encourage you to Google when you get home or sometime this week, Google those stories of letters that were delivered late. There are some fascinating stories out there. I'm going to share two with you today. The first, a woman in her 80s in France received a letter in the mail in 2015 that had been sent to her great-grandfather, in 1877, 138 years earlier. It was about an order for yarn for her great-grandfather's spinning mill. 
Not even sure the mill still existed. But an even more poignant uh, delivery is the letter that's pictured up here. Written about in the Washington Post in 2015. And it reached its intended recipient 14 years later. The letter was written from a father in India to his son who lived in New York City. It was handwritten a few short weeks after 9-11, but was a bit confusing when it showed up in 2014. The man's father had died years earlier, in between the time. As the son described in the newspaper essay, he was overwhelmed with a deep reminder and sense of connection to his late father. Tears flooded his eyes as he held in his hand a physical object created by his father expressing concerns about his sons and his grandchildren's safety and about the events of the world in that tragic time. In the 2015 Washington Post article, the son wrote this, 14 years is a long time to wait for a letter, but rarely has one been more welcome. The expression of concern in this letter is sadly still relevant today, but the physical letter itself, it was a real joy. Certainly it was an unexpected joy as well. One that, one that was on its way the whole time. The letter would have been meaningful had it arrived on time. But it took on even deeper meaning and deeper emotions over the period of time that it took to get there. And joy can be that way. Whether we know it's coming or not. Whether we're given hope for its arrival or not. When we started talking, uh, when we started Advent, I guess, talking about hope, the first thing we did was look at the history of the people of Israel who were waiting for a Messiah. Not for 14 years, but for thousands of years. Now that's a tough wait. Thousands and thousands of years. Certainly some of those Israelites gave up hope that a Messiah would ever come. Some probably just carried on, distracted with life, not thinking they would ever see the coming of a Messiah. But others, others held out hope. Held out assurance. Assurance based on their faith. Faith based on this book. God's word. Which we believe to be infallible. Which we believe to be true. Which we believe that we can believe. 
the only truth we can believe. Their waiting was active. And when we engage in an active waiting, anticipating what is to come and watching for it, then and only then, that waiting has purpose. The hope, the assurance stays alive. And joy is exactly the same. Even when we don't feel joy, we can anticipate the coming of joy in the gift of Jesus Christ. We can prepare to move from our state of discouragement into an experience of life-giving, deep-seated joy. The shepherds, as you heard in the reading, are a great example. When the shepherds showed up and delivered a message to the... I mean, when the angels showed up and uh, delivered a message to the shepherds, on a hillside, outside Bethlehem, the shepherds didn't immediately feel joy, did they? What did they feel? Fear. Fear. They were scared to death. Look at Luke 2. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the angel first addressed their fear and then helped them to move beyond it to receive the message of joy. That the Savior, the Messiah, the one Israel had anticipated and waited for for so long <clears throat> had indeed been born. By the end of the night, those smelly shepherds got it. They understood. Luke 2.20 says, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. As we walk through Advent, we know that Jesus the Messiah has come. We know there is far more to come with his eventual return. And we still must anticipate that joy. Do you? Do you anticipate with great joy his second return? So let's experience Advent as a season when we anticipate the arrival of joy. Even though we struggle through the realities of today. How can you receive this gift of joy even in times of trials? Well, secondly, you can recognize joy. Recognize joy. <clears throat> Do you ever wonder why, out of all the many people in the world... The wise men were the only ones who recognized and followed the star of Bethlehem. 
Has that ever crossed your mind? It was a star, for heaven's sakes. It was there in the sky for the whole world to see. I mean, think about that. But most people, Jews and Gentiles alike, didn't recognize its meaning. For these men who did, it caused great joy. Matthew 2.10 says, When they saw the star, they were what? Overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The magi, the, that's the word for wise men, it means astrologer or seer. The, the magi traveled a long way to find the one whose birth was announced by that star. And they encountered hardships all along the way, I'm sure. They had to deal with the deceptive tyrant King Herod. Oh, King Herod, remember? The one that killed babies? They even lost sight of the star for some time. Did you know that? They lost sight of the star. And did they quit, give up, and go back to where they came from? No, they kept going in the direction that they knew to go. They knew what they were looking for, and they kept seeking, even when things went wrong. They recognized the coming of joy to the world, and they were filled with joy as they responded to it, bringing their gifts in worship to Jesus. These kings from the East, not bringing gifts to now, commemorate, but it says to worship him. Goodness. It can be hard to recognize joy in our own lives sometimes. Especially, I think, because it doesn't always look the way that we expect it to look, does it? Joy doesn't always look that way. We expect joy to be free of worry and hardship. Hakuna Matata. But the Bible tells us that joy is found in the midst of and even because of hard things, hard times. Look at James 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. James says, consider that pure joy. <laughs> I don't consider that pure joy, do you? That's a tough thing to do. That's a tough call. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. 
there most definitely is nothing hakuna matata in that kind of joy. And I guess if I had a... uh, If I had two big ideas in this message today, this would be one of them. When we recognize that joy comes from trials, when that thought really sinks in, joy comes from trials, then we can experience joy even in the midst of hard times. I think so often we confuse joy and happiness. Happiness is a fleeting thing. Happiness is when we laugh at the cartoon. Joy is something that's really deep. That can't be taken away. Ever. It's here. It's here. It's lasting. It's something we can draw upon. How can you receive this gift of joy even in times of trials? Well, number three, choose joy. You have to choose joy. And I know this idea can be a little deceiving, so bear with me here. I'm not saying... I mean, we can't, we can't close our eyes and focus real hard and somehow conjure up joy in our lives. That, that's not it. In fact, in fact, if you do that, it very often leads you in the opposite direction, away from joy. So be careful trying to do that. Joy is a gift. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So we can't just create it by trying harder. But we can choose to live in the ways that God says bring joy. It's not that much different than physical health. We can't get stronger by thinking about it and mentally choosing to be strong. At least that's what they tell me. We have to exercise and build the muscles that make us strong. At least that's what they tell me. So let's look a little closer at a couple of practices that will build us up for the joy, for the gift of joy. Uh, The first one would be this. Choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. When you don't feel joyful, give thanks. Try it. When you don't feel joyful, try giving thanks. Name three reasons that you have to be thankful. Or five reasons. Or ten reasons. Or a page full of reasons. You see, it's really counterintuitive. And And this right here would be my big, big, big idea for this message. When we don't feel joyful, we would rather gripe and complain. But giving thanks 
opens our hearts up to joy. Let me say that again. When we don't feel joyful, we would rather gripe and complain. And misery loves company. But giving thanks opens our hearts to joy. That's why Paul instructed the Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica, this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not just when you're joyful. Not just when you're happy. Not just when things are going your way. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, gratitude goes a long way and leads us toward joy. Gratitude doesn't instantly give us joy, but it leads us toward joy. When you don't know what to do, when you're feel overwhelmed by this season or any season, and when you feel anything but joy, give thanks. Give thanks. Secondly, choose to obey. In John 15, 11, Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, And that your joy may be complete. So what is the this that he told his disciples? What was his little secret to joy? It was obedience. Look at at the verse before that, John 15.10. He said this, If you obey my commands, that's obedience. If you will obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We often just want joy to appear out of nowhere. Drop into our laps. But Jesus says it comes from obedience. And like gratitude, obedience is a practice. It's a process of seeking to follow God's ways and putting those ways into action. Here's where we find God's ways. You won't know what his ways are without looking in here, reading in here, studying in here, meditating in here, and then putting them into action. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also, James says. And you know what? We don't always get them right. 
God knows that. We won't always get them right. And that's okay. That's a, don't beat yourself up. That's okay. That's what forgiveness is all about. But the more we align ourselves with God's word to understand his ways and then choose actions that align with his word and his wisdom, the more we open ourselves up to experience the good fruit of those choices and to receive joy in our lives. I hope you understand what I'm saying there. Choose to obey. And thirdly, choose to abide. Choose to abide. John 15, also, Jesus tells us the other part of this secret of joy. Gosh, you might read John 15 and find the secrets to joy. It's a love triangle, it seems to me. John 15, 4 through 5 says this. Jesus speaking again. Remain in me. Remain is the same word as abide. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I think he wanted to make that point, don't you? I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him... He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said, just as he remains or abides in his Father's love, we remain in his love. And then our joy is complete. That's the love triangle. You see it? No, this is not an immediate, quick fix concept that I'm talking about here. It doesn't immediately happen. That's not the way that planting and agriculture works. That's why Jesus used this example. You find a a seed and you put it in the ground and it, 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 it becomes a little planting and has roots. You take that up and you, it, you plant it over here. You divide it into two plants and plant them. Does, does it immediately have fruit on it? No, there's a season of time it has to grow before it has fruit. If you have a tree that already has fruit on it, and it's, uh, oh, let me, let me see. If I have a tree that is a white dogwood tree, that doesn't work either, does it? Okay. If I want to put a, another type of fruit on a tree that already exists, I cut a little branch off of this tree over here and graft it onto this tree. Well, the next season, I, don't, I won't have fruit. It takes... Several seasons for that fruit to come into existence. It has to be there a while. It has to, has to grow. It has to nourish. It has to become part of. It has to gain its strength from 
the vine, the, the, the tree, the whatever. It's not an overnight fix. It takes time. Joy is going to take some time as we abide in Him. And if you've walked away from God for a period of time in your life, then the joy may not come back tonight. And don't be disillusioned. It may take some work on your part. That's okay. During that time of work, you're going to grow. You're going to become stronger. And then, you're going to be able to produce good fruit. Unlike you're producing right now. The joy will be there. But it may take some time. Jesus used that metaphor of, of the vine all through chapter uh, 15 of John. <clears throat> the same is true of our relationship with Him. And our joy is made com complete by imitating Christ's love and obedience. So, this season, let's let this season of Advent be a time of gratitude and a time of obedience and a time of abiding in His love as we anticipate the joy that He brings this Christmas season 2017. Help us, God, to anticipate and recognize all around us and to choose to give thanks. To choose joy by, I guess, giving thanks. By obeying. By abiding in you. And Lord, lead us into joy as you lead us into a deeper relationship with you. God, give us the, the courage and the strength to rejoice, to be joyful, to give thanks no matter what circumstances we face. And above all, make our joy complete in you. In Jesus' name, amen.